We are in the year of yes, and we love that song. That song was written right out of a, uh, of a text that I'll show you in a minute, but that we, that we, um, we started talking about on the very end of August, beginning of September last year, decided that this year, 2014, 2015, would be the year of yes, and we love yes. We think it's such a great way to capture this idea of how good God is and how... Um, uh, how all of God's promises are true and how God is going to be faithful. And isn't that a way better? I mean, Christians forever have been, at least in our culture, our little sub-American culture, have been known as no people. Stop doing that and quit having fun and whatever. And man, we're like, what? The gospel is a gospel of yes, man. And we're, we've been, so we thought there's so many ways for us to talk about yes. We talked about his promises. We talked about hope, which was living in the confident, increasingly confident expectation that God's promises are true and that he's going to show up for his people. We did encounter of yes and no moments throughout the Advent season. And um, we're headed off into continue in, into our, our year of yes this year. Th- this is the scripture. I want you to see it again. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That song was right out of it. And this is the meat of the, of the whole passage that we studied uh, last fall. But it says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. There's two parts. There's two sentences to this sort of yes idea. The first one is that, that sentence I just read. No matter how many promises God has made, I mean, and it seems like there's a lot promised to us from God in the scriptures. It's like this almost seems too good to be true. And you're, you've often been told by your cynical um, forebearers, if it too, sounds too good to be true, or it could be if it sounds too good to be true, then God is that amazing. That's the way we could look at it, I suppose. No matter how many crazy promises are made that here's a God who loves us and will save us and will rescue us and send his spirit and will gift us and will change the world and we'll have victory. Oh, no, 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 no. matter how many promises are true, it says they're yes in Christ. That means it's always going to be yes. God will always be faithful to himself, to who he is. He'll always be faithful to the truth. God will be God. And all of the stuff that's written about him is true. And so this is that first part. It's like no matter how many crazy things we read, it's yes because of what Jesus did. And then there's that second sentence. And so through him, through Jesus, because we have a relationship with Jesus, we say amen. It's spoken by us to the glory of God. And so through Jesus, we say amen. We say yes. We say so be it. We say let it be. That's what amen means. It means like the Beatles said, let it be. It means, that was a joke. Are you guys awake? Are you? <laughs> you sort of did that New Year delay like, did he just mention the Beatles in church? Like, I, I must have heard that wrong. So God's saying yes. Then the second part is that we say yes. May it be, so be it. Go God, yes. We'll say yes. That's what amen means. It's gonna be our Yes. And so we are going to talk this next season, friends, about that second part. This new series is called Finding Your Yes. What's our yes? What's our yes, Lord? What's our yes to God? No matter how many promises God has made, they're yes in Christ. God's going to be faithful and true to his side of the equation. What about our yeses? How do we find what our yes, Lords, are? How do we find out what we're supposed to say yes to? Finding Your Yes is our new series. And I was horrified uh, when I was watching football yesterday that Cole's new marketing campaign is hashtag find your yes. 
Because their yes is, you know, spend more, buy more junk you don't need, you know? Find your yes. Ours is finding your yes, and we're going to be here, and Jesus will outlast Coles. So, we win. Uh, I I totally looked at Linda. I'm like, no! Find your yes. We're going to go find your yes, because this scripture says, yes, Lord. That's what we're going to say to him. Yes, Lord. We're full of yeses, friends. We have a lot of yeses in our lives. We have a lot of things that we get to say yes to in our lives. And the question is, where are the things that we're going to say yes, Lord, to? Where are the things that we're going to say to God yes? And where are we going to say no? And where are we going to not say yes to? I mean, we have to figure out what our yeses are going to be. If God's going to be doing all this stuff in the world, well, what about us? What about our part in that? What about our yeses? We purposely didn't call this find your purpose in life. You know why? I think for you finding your purpose, I think finding your purpose is too big. It's, that's too much of a, um, what's the word I used? Finding your purpose is a pretty overwhelming reality. Finding your purpose is a pretty overwhelming reality. And I think it's unrealistic. And I think it's, it's sort of too constrictive. Finding your purpose in life, that's, pre, that's, a, that's a big burden for me to put on you, for anybody. George, what's your purpose in life? You'd be like, ah, Jesus, I don't know. Like, that sounds like the right answer, but I don't really know. Like, how do you just say what your purpose in life is? Because the truth is, friends, we have many yeses in our lives. You have all kinds of yes in your life. When you leave here, you have to say yes to how you're going to spend your next 168 hours or how many hours there are next week, how you're going to put your hands to your tasks at work, What relationships, what yeses are you going to have in your relationships? What do you say yes to with regard to how you spend your dollars and your cents? What yeses are you going to say, are you going to have in terms of what attitude you should take when Kelly's driving on the road near you and cuts you off? Or what what are you going to, we all have yeses and we have to figure out how to find our yes. But to say, find your purpose is way too constrictive to me. I'd rather say your purpose in life is finding your yes or your yes is. Your purpose in life is to be finding constantly all of the yeses in your relationship with God, finding the yeses that you need to make. What does your day look like? What does your week look like? What does your season look like? What do your relationships look like? What are your investments? What are your commitments? What are your disciplines? What are your yeses? See, I don't think we should say, go find your purpose in life. Because I think, you know, how are you going to define that? You're going to be like, okay, my purpose is, um, I'm a dad. Well, the person next to you doesn't have kids. And they go, well, what does that mean for me then? What do I, that's it? And plus, by the way, we all know your kids can be taken from you. You're more than a dad. It's one of the yeses in your life. What if you say, well, my purpose in life is to, you know, provide for my family. That's it. That's your purpose in life is to provide for your family. I would think it's one of the yeses in your life. You with me? My purpose in life is to stay healthy and be the best I can be. Well, there's a lot of yeses in your life. It can't just be that. So I'd rather say, you know what your purpose in life is? Your purpose in life is to find all of your yeses today and tomorrow and next week and next year. To keep finding all in your relationship with God, to keep finding all of the ways that you say yes to him. Your purpose in life is about finding your yeses. 
What are your commitments? What are your priorities? What are your investments? Why do you serve? Where do you say no? It's hard to figure out what our yeses are. That's a daily engagement with God to figure out what your yeses are. Just like it's hard for me to, if you were to say, if I was to say, what's your purpose in life? You'd be like, gosh, I don't know. I, have a lot, uh, I don't know what to say, how to sum that up. If I said, what are your yeses? You'd be like, wow, that's a big question. You mean right this second? My yes is to stay awake while you're preaching. <laughs> and today my yes is to not eat everybody's French fries off of all of their plates as well as mine after the service. Like that's my yes. I'm just trying to not overeat today. And for some of us, that's what we wrestle with. And that's a yes. It's a big yes. And for some of you, man, my yes is to not lose hope tomorrow and to go out and look for, another, to look for work again tomorrow because I'm starting to get discouraged. So my yes, Lord, is I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of me and I'm not going to lose heart. Right? I mean, aren't they infinite? We could just keep going. Let's talk about your day. No, I won't. I'm just kidding. There's tons of yeses. But how do you find a yes is the hard thing. I have a great um, I had a conversation last week that perfectly illustrated this. There's a person in our church who said, I have the gift of giving. And I have some resources that God's provided for me to give. And I love to give. Like, that's what I do. That's what I want to do. That's what I, but I don't always know where to give. Like, where do I give? Like, I have all these opportunities when I look at the whole world and I look at my life and I look at all the things I encounter. I don't know how much to give where? Do you, you, I mean, even if your thing isn't giving or you, you, you figured out how to give and that's it, but do you see the metaphor? It's like we have this whole life full of possible yeses. How do I find my yes? And that's what this series is going to be, but in particular, we want to talk about it a little bit more this morning. How do we find our yes? And here's, this, here's the, 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 the a hint to where we're going, at least for part of our next um, January, February, around this finding your yes. Finding your yes starts with who you are. It starts with your identity. Finding your yes starts with your identity. It starts with who you are and where you are and what you possess and what you do with what it is that you possess and where you live and what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And your, it, it's, in other words, it's your true identity and how you live it out. Finding your yes starts with your true identity and how you live it out. This morning I want to consider that thought. Finding your yes in your identity. Finding your yes by understanding who you really are. By understanding your true identity. Here's the thing. What is your identity? That's another hard question. What's your identity? How would you define that answer to somebody? What is your identity? Now, I know that when we think about finding our identity, I mean, I know one thing. I know it's not descriptions of some of the actions or the activities that we sometimes do. It's not just a description of some of the stuff we do. That's not your identity. That's just a description of some of the things that you sometimes do. So to say that we're a dad, it's part of your identity, but it's really more of a, a description of what you, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor. Not, not one of those things is my identity. Are you following with me? But they, some of them are very true. Or less significantly, I'm a baseball fan, or I'm a runner, or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a goofball, like I'm, a, I'm an idiot. Like, like, that's it. That's just a description of me. That's not my identity. And, and further, if you go down that line of thinking, not only is it not just it's not a description of some of the stuff we do. It's also not a label that we've put on ourselves or allowed to be put on ourselves. Like, I'm a screw-up. 
I'm the guy who's bad with money. I'm the drama queen. I'm the ex-con. I'm the addict. No matter how true some of those things might be, those are labels that get put on us and that we put on ourselves, and it's not our identity. No more than the descriptors are anything more than just saying this is what's in our calendar. Those aren't our identities. By the way, do you know why often those labels get put on us and then we allow them to stick on us? Because we have an enemy of our souls who tells us lies that sound true so that it'll take us out of the game. Because he can get you to believe that your identity is you're a waste of everybody's time or you have nothing to bring to the table or you can't get past your past sins or your weakest personality um, character issues. If he can get you to believe that, then you'll never be God's man or God's woman out in the world. Our identity is not in describing what we do, and our identity is not in the labels that we put on ourselves or we allow to get put on us. Our identity is rooted in spiritual realities of our relationship with God. Our identity is rooted in spiritual realities of our relationship with God. Our identity is about our relationship with God. This is how it's going to connect to the yes, friends. Because our identity is in who we are with God, and then that's going to help us define what our yeses are going to be, because they're going to come out of a relating with God. Do you track that? Our yeses come out of a relating with God, and our identity is about who we are in that relating. So here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. That's kind of an introduction to our, to our, um, uh, our, our little sub-series that's going to happen over January, February, and, and just for the rest of the time left, I want to talk about what is our identity so that we will know how that will help us find some yeses. Because your yeses come out of who you are. Like, here's a dumb example. Part of my identity, part of my, I mean, this is a very sub part of it, but part of my identity is that I'm married, right? I'm married. I'm married. Well, you know what? Part of my identity is that I am married. Well, guess what? That's going to define some yeses for me, won't it? I mean, aren't some yeses already sort of in place in light of that? Like, I have to come home most nights. <laughs> right? It's sort of built into the, the deal. And if I felt myself attracted to a woman, then a yes in that is that I get in my car and I drive 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction. You with me? Because who I am will help define some of the yeses that God has for us. So I want to talk about the spiritual realities of our relationship with God. Two points, and then I'm going to give you some metaphors for this relationship that the scriptures use. And that will be our biblical text. Now, a couple things I need to tell you before we get into this. It's going to be shotgun approach. You need to take notes if you want to have this be, um, if you want to carry any of this home. So I said that too strongly. You might like to take notes. <laughs> I did. I really didn't mean to say it this way, the way that I did. You might like to take notes because I, I, I'm going to refer to a ton of scriptures and it could actually be a basis for your scripture study for the next few weeks. It may be a really great way for you to be like, oh, I want to study those things and help me understand my identity biblically. Because I'm kind of doing a survey of your identity as it's revealed in the scriptures biblically. Okay? So you may want to just write down some of those scriptures. The other thing I want to tell you before I get going on this is that I stole these metaphors 
out of a one page out of the book called The Sacred Romance by John Eldridge and Brent Curtis. And so uh, if you're interested in reading some more, it's really, actually I'm giving you more than they have in the book, but it's where I got the idea, these, um, these um, metaphors for the, um, well actually they're from the Bible, but I got the idea of lining them up the way that he did uh, from John Eldridge, so I wanted to make sure you heard that. But here's the two spiritual realities that I'm bringing to you today that um, help define our identity. One, I am created by the sovereign, almighty God. I am created by the sovereign, almighty God. This is just an existential reality. This is just a baseline, foundational understanding of who we are as human beings. We are God's creation. He is the almighty Lord of heaven and earth. And he has created us at this time and at this place. Who we are brought us here, guided it, led it, sovereign. He's God. Thank you, Todd. Now, here's an aside, by the way. If you don't have that presupposition, honestly, I do not know what you do with your existential angst. I honestly, my heart swells, bleeds, goes out to this world who have sort of dismissed, has dismissed this as ancient thinking or unscientific or something and who have to live figuring out what life means without this being the foundation of all reality. And if you're here and you're like, that's kind of me, a little bit, I just want to challenge you to rethink that presupposition that this can't be true, because it is. And I don't understand what you would even do with what life's about if you don't go here. In fact, that should be the heart of all of us who believe this for the whole world who doesn't know God. Anyway, uh, that's an aside. I'm created by the sovereign almighty God. Now listen, here's a couple metaphors that the scriptures show us um, that are kind of related to this idea of being created by God. And then those metaphors are going to help us understand how to pursue finding our yes or our yes is. The first metaphor that Scripture uses about us kind of on sort of a, um, a progressive chain is um, that we're clay. We're clay and he's the potter. We're the pot in the potter's hands. Do you remember that from the Scriptures? Isaiah 6, 4, we're the clay, you're the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Jeremiah 18, he said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. Here's the concept that God is our maker, and then he molds us, and he makes us as he desires us to be. He's the transformer. That's what this idea is about. That's what this whole concept is about. God is in the work of, in the process of transforming us. He's a transforming God, like clay in the hands of a potter. And so if that's our identity, then there's yeses in our life, friends, that help us get transformed. You see what I mean? If this is our identity, that we're clay and that God's a transforming God, I mean, we're created by God and he's transforming us and changing us and making us into who we're supposed to be and he wants us to be, then we, our yeses are around, how do I get in the way of his transformation, right? How do I get in there? How do I make that happen? How do I submit to that? Where is it that God wants to transform me? And so we have these yeses built into our lives where this kind of input, this kind of, um, of uh, opportunities are there. And that's a million sermons, you can figure out what many of those are. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in relationship with other Christians. You've got to be in worship. You've got to be in teaching. You've got to, you know, these are places you get transformed. Oh, by the way, don't run away from the hard stuff because God transforms us into trials. You know, these are all, all I'm saying is it begins to inform what our yeses might be when we realize God's trying to transform me. I love Greg, Art Greco, one of our other pastors, because this 
defines him to the nth degree, that he's a guy who sits back and goes, what's going on in me right now? What is this that's happening in me? I don't like what's happening in me. God, are you, I don't, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling tempted or I'm feeling like, what are you trying to do in me, God? What do you need to change in me? What do you need to transform in me? I want to be your man in this situation. Come on, is that awesome? See how the yeses are there? So instead of reacting in anger, there's this reaction to, God, I know you're wanting to change me. How do you want to do that through this? We're clay in the hands of the potter. Second metaphor with regard to this idea of being created by God. We're sheep. We're sheep. And if we're sheep, he's the shepherd. That's right. Psalm 23, we know that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on to talk about how he calls the sheep by name and he knows them, the shepherd does, and the sheep hear his voice and recognize his voice. That's us. In Luke 15, he tells a parable about one lost sheep and how the shepherd goes off uh, to go great lengths to make sure he doesn't even lose one, and that's you and me, that's the sheep. There's the concept. The concept is he tends his flock. He guides and he protects and he leads us. That's a metaphor for us being created by this sovereign and almighty God. That he guides us and he leads us and he protects us. Isaiah 40 says it, if you're taking notes and going to look these up later. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart, and he gently leads those who have the young. You see this, this God-shepherd image, caring, protecting, leading his flock. That's our identity. We're sheep. And so our yeses, in our yeses, there's something about then putting ourselves in the place where we can hear the shepherd's voice and recognize it and be led by him and be protected and guided by him. He's our shepherd. He leads us. One of the biggest pieces of feedback that I got in a long time from preaching was when I said a few months ago, I said something along the lines of, hey, do we bring stuff to God and we ask him and then let's put ourselves even for one day in a position to just wait and listen and see if he answers us. Let's give him a day. Do we ever just give God a day? Like, God, what do I do about this? And then we freak out and we make a decision. Why don't we just give God a day? You know, and everybody, so many people wrote back and thought, I can't read, yeah, give him a day. I hashtag give God a day, you know? (laughs) One day, maybe he'll talk to us. We're asking him. That's what this is about. If our identity is that we're sheep who guide us and lead us and protect us and we listen to, he knows us and we hear his voice. If that's our identity, then we have some yeses in listening. Some of our life should be organized around how and where we can slow down and listen to God. You following what I'm doing here? How do we find our yes? Well, it's rooted in our identity, and here's some realities of our identity. So we're clay, we're sheep. Here's a third one underneath this being created by God. We're servants. We're servants, and he's our master. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, Samuel um, sort of famous in the Bible for saying um, he, he had heard the Lord, and the text is great. It starts like uh, verse 3, maybe, of that. He sa- it's a, the text says, Samuel didn't know the Lord yet, and he hadn't known the Lord's voice. But then God showed up and st- started talking to him. And so he went to Eli, who he was serving, and said, uh, you'd call me. Remember this whole passage? 
I say that like you all know it, and many of you don't. Go look at it. That's why I gave you the verse, 1 Samuel 3. And Eli's like, no, I didn't call you. And then he heard it again, heard his name. What is that? And he said, Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. And so finally, Eli says, listen, that's God talking to you, so go back and, and answer him. And he gave him this to say, and Eli is, I mean, and Samuel said it. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Like it becomes sort of the, the framework for all the prophets and the kings and the leaders and the spiritual people that came after him. Speak, Lord, I'm your servant, and I will listen to you. It's a, it's, a, it's a teaching for all believers who say, if I'm created by a sovereign almighty God, then I serve him. So speak, God, because my position is one of being a servant to you. Mary said it in the, in the Advent passage that I preached three or four weeks ago from Luke chapter one. I'm the Lord's what? Servant. May it be to me as you have said. Like whatever you want to do, God, I will serve you. Jesus, in, he taught a parable. We call it the parable of the talents. Talent was a monetary measure. It was a parable of people who invested the things that God had given them. And at the end, somebody invested well. And Jesus rewards that man in the story by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the concept is we live for him. We have bound ourselves to him, to serve him as the sovereign king. Everything we do is for his benefit, not for ours. We live for the kingdom of God, not for ourselves, not for building our lives, building his kingdom. We serve at the pleasure of the king. That's our identity. That's the concept. So if that's our identity, then you can see that there's yeses built into that. We can find some yeses in that because we consider all of our ways and whether or not or how they can be brought under the mantle of Jesus' kingship. Wow, there's a lot of yeses in that. Because that means then that every day is a day in service to the king. And that every talent, so to speak, whether uh, truthfully talents, like stuff that you have, or talents like money, or talents like resources, talents like gifts, like everything you have gets brought under the service of the king. Wow, think of all the yeses. That means tomorrow, the day that you have with the breath that you breathe and the energy that you have and the dollars you have to spend and the work that you can do and the people that you can encounter, all of those get brought under. So, Lord, what's the yes that this, this I'm going to bring this under serving the king? That changes everything. If he is our creator, almighty God, then... We're clay, and some of our yeses are about being transformed by him. We're sheep, and some of our yeses are about being led by him. We're, we're servants, and some of our yeses are about living under his kingship. You with me? Second spiritual reality. First one is I'm created by the one sovereign almighty God. The second spiritual reality is I'm pursued by the furiously loving and gracious Savior. I mean, in fact, these two things, friends, sum up the Bible. I'm created by a sovereign, almighty God, and I'm pursued by his furious love and grace. Some of you think furious, is that the right word to use? I, it's actually a title of a book by Brennan Manning, The Furious Love of God. But I love it because it's that. It just gives the sense of how God is committed all the way to his love for us, passionate, fiery, this is the whole Bible. In fact, Kelly, you don't have to read your little Bible, the, your, your big new thing this year. That's it. It's the whole Bible. I just said it to you in two sentences. 
You're created by God, an almighty sovereign God whom we serve and live for, who shapes us. And he pursues us. And this is where we get more into the relationship piece of this. Look at just a couple, and I have to go through them quickly. One is that we're sons and daughters, and so he is our father. We're sons and daughters. 1 John 3, 1, if you're taking notes, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's all through the scriptures that we're children. And the concept here is we've moved past being just objects that he's created like a clay pot or a sheep or an employee or a slave. We've moved even past those relationships into one of intimacy and of family, a shared identity and inheritance that's built in. We're known and we're loved and we're part of, we're, the, we're of the same essence. We're of God's family and we're in his house with him. We live with him. If that's our identity, then our yeses are going to be about living like we own the place. It's going to be about living like we really do have the freedom to jump up onto the couch and to get on God's lap, so to speak, and enter into his presence. If we really are in God's family, then our yeses are going to be about if we have needs in our lives, then we really believe that our loving Father, our Heavenly Father, delights in hearing what it is that we need and delights in meeting the needs of our hearts and delights in giving it to us. So we ask Him. We don't live in a spiritual kind of inferiority complex anymore going, what does God care about my needs? No. We enter into His presence with boldness, the Scriptures teach us, and we ask. So there's a lot of yeses built in to being God's children, wouldn't you say? Second identity that's a metaphor that's in Scripture around this idea of God's furious and loving grace, that we're friends. It's even one step further than being children. Do you know that? Because you pick your friends. You didn't pick your kids, and some of you wouldn't have picked your kids. <laughs> but there's also a reciprocity in relationship with a friend, isn't there? There's a shared partnership in the experience of doing life together as a friend. That happens when your kids get a little bit older increasingly and then eventually your kids kind of become your friends and that's a cool moment, right? We're there with, I don't know, maybe two and a half or three out of our four kids. And, uh, but, but a friend shares. They're partners. They're engaged in it together. And I want you to look at that idea of partnership. Exodus 33 tells how the Lord spoke to Moses face to face like a man talks to his friend. And don't miss John 15, where Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from the Father I've made known to you. Everything I've learned from the Father I've made known to you. Jesus says, I call you my friend. What does that mean? You're in partnership with me doing what God would have us do. That's huge. Think of all the yeses that are built into that. That means all those things that are possible for us today and tomorrow, again, with all of our resources and all that, we actually ask the question, these are our yeses, we ask the question, God, how do I partner with you in this right now? How do I partner with what you want to do? What do you want to do, God? And the promise in Scripture is your identity is that he's a friend and he says, yeah, let me tell you what we're going to do here. And I need you, your partnership in that. Wouldn't it change everything if how we lived our lives was rather than reacting or doing what we thought was best or doing things without much thought at all, we actually stopped into every encounter and every relationship and every endeavor and every commitment in our life and we stopped and we looked at it and we said, God, what are you doing here? 
what do you want to do here? Because I want to partner with you. That's what he wants. Finding our yes is about saying, okay, I go off to the next thing this afternoon. I'm his partner in doing and being what God wants to have happen. We're his friends. And here's the last one. It's even further than that. It's even beyond. It's that we're his beloved. We're his beloved. And so he's the lover. And I, I don't, I'm out of time and I don't have to go time to go through it. This is what you ought to do. I think you ought to look up in your, in a, in, on the computer or on a program, some sort of a, a Bible app. Go look up beloved and lover and read and you will be shocked that somebody included all that stuff in your Bible. First of all, you're going to get Song of Solomon, which is really cool. And, and you can't let the kids see you reading it. But, and even that is a picture. The rest of it, we're, our salvation history is pictured in the scriptures as the marriage between two people who are passionately and deeply in love with one another. And I know that might be hard for you to hear, and I know it's really hard for some guys to hear because we sing songs about loving Jesus, and the gender thing kind of gets in the way because he's pictured as Jesus is a man, and God's pictured as our Father. And for guys especially, that's a little bit hard, but friends, you can't get away from the fact that God's like, I want to teach you about your identity, and part of what you need to know about your identity is that you are so loved by me that there's no human analogy greater than the kind of passionate, sold out, heart commitment, depth of desire, love that lovers face when they fall in love with one another. Like that's the kind of stuff God says I'm talking about. And we have to do some translating in our head to figure that out with Jesus and with God, with Father and all those image, other images. But this is what he says. And the Ten Commandments talk about how he is a jealous God. Don't have any other gods before me, for I am a jealous God. Then he goes on to say, and my name is jealous. Like, that's my name. What's he jealous for? I'm a little bit of a nerd for this. People know this about me that I know this by heart. The definition of jealousy, intolerant of rivalry, apprehensive of the loss of another's exclusive devotion. And God goes, that's my name. This kind of a picture, and it's all through the scriptures. I remember the devotion of your youth, how you followed me as a, as a bride. Jesus talks about the kingdom being one of a wedding banquet where a beautiful bride is presented to the bridegroom. That's the church, us, being presented to Jesus. On and on and on. And in Mark chapter 12, of course, the first and greatest commandment is you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and love him with all of your soul and love him with all of your mind and love him with all of your strength. There's no scripture or commandment greater than these, Jesus says. The concept is it's fair to say that our identity is one of being pursued in intimate relationship. It's like passionate lovers whose hearts have swollen and found the other so desirable that we would move heaven and earth to know them more and be known by them more intimately. That's the stuff. That's what the scriptures teach and show. And that's our identity. The beloved of God. That's our identity. And so aren't there going to be some yeses built into that? That we figure out how to give him our hearts more and more. How to know him more deeply, more accurately. How to understand the beauty and the depth of who God is so our hearts swell more toward him. I think that's maybe what worship is about. And so our yeses are, how am I a worshiping human where my vision of God and my heart for God is growing every day? Friends, that takes reflection, investment, rest, spiritual eyes. It takes all kinds of yeses. 
Well, these are the spiritual realities, these two, that talk about our true identity. And our true identity will lead us to some yeses. Being clay, being sheep, being servants, being children of the Father, being friends of God, and being his beloved. Each of those, if we understand who we truly are, will lead to some yeses.